Today's daf is daf Dalid, and we pick up on the very top line, first line of daf Dalid, and what we are dealing with is different bases, different um, um, uh, uh, sources for why you separate the Kohen for seven days, and also there's analogous discussion of the para of the Kohen who's going to do the paraduma. So to remind you, the most dominant source until now has been that of Rabbi Yochanan, although two traditions in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that the source from the Miluim, Kasher Sivachem And on the one hand, it is very comparable to the Miluim. It is a preparatory, it's preparation to do a, a certain type of an avode in the base of Mikdash. As the Gemara says, it's Tchilab Makom, almost an initiating of, a, of the space or the avode in the space. Of course, by the Kodesh Kedashim, after the first time, it's stopping the first time, but nevertheless, there's a sense of the space that's being entered. It's a special, they're associated with the Korban that the Kohen Gadol brings, um, and um, it, uh, you know, it, it very much focuses on the person who is preparing that person to do the Avodah. So that is one source that's very, the comparison is weaker relating to the Paraduma, and we have another tradition in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that the Paraduma is not included. The Paraduma is only a rabbinic issue related to Tumantara, and the stringencies about Tumantara, and it's not really part of this model. The other version that includes it in the model, it's harder to see the common denominator, but anyway, that's one source of the Miluin. Reish Lakish disagrees. He says if that was really the basis, if you didn't do it, it wouldn't be good, and we know that the that the um, that the stand-in Kohen, the understudy, uh, B'dievid, would not require this. So therefore, he feels it cannot be based on the Miluim, and he bases it rather on Moshe and Har Sinai. Um, on a verse that says that he reads to understand that Moshe was in the cloud six days before he went up to Har Sinai. So as a preparation, um, and here too, it is requires that type of a preparation. Of course, according to that, as the Gemara says, it really should only be a six-day preparation. Seven days are just a Tumantara concern and are not really based on that fundamental model. Similarly, presumably, Para would not be based on that model. Para would be a Tumantara concern, but at least the core here is about Moshe of Har Sinai. And that, by the, and that is very significant conceptually because it points us not to the act of the avoda and what's needed in order to enable the avoda. It points us to the sense of the encounter with God and focusing on the fact that Moshe is going to have this encounter and he needs this preparation and the Kohen Gadol it focuses not on all the Avodah he's doing on Yom Kippur but essentially the going into the Kodesh Kedashim and that encounter right Machana right is what the Gemara said before but Machana in the very specific sense here not the general sense of the Beis Mikdash but the more limited sense of the Kodesh Kedashim and the sense of the preparation for that immediate encounter with God and particularly also thinking about how that relates to us and now we're preparing for Yom Kippur. It definitely puts the attention um, in a different aspect um, and not about the Avodah. Um, uh, but that would be six days. So that is the debate of Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish. And now we will continue in the Gemara. So, top of Dalit Amadalit. Um, Amalei uh, Rabbi Yochanan Reish Lakish. So Rabbi Yochanan said to Reish Lakish, it works well according to me, the Alfinum Mimi Luim that I learned out from Miluim, 
Hainu Titania, that fits in with the Brayta that we're going to quote a little bit later and we quote in a few dots from now. Zevazem Mazinov Koishiva Mikochatos Chahayusham. Okay, that this and this, whether it's the case of preparing the coin for the Paraduma, or whether it's preparing the coin Gadol for the Avoda on Yom Kippur, they would sprinkle on him the ashes from all of the Chataot, all of the red heifers that they had there. What does it mean, all the red heifers? So Rashi says that they would always store up, they wouldn't wait to completely use up all of the ashes of one paraduma before they get another paraduma. They'd always have some of the old stuff around. Rashi actually also quotes an idea that the ashes of the para that was done in the time of Moshe, you know, by a miracle, never ran out. So when they did the sprinkling to prepare the coin for the paraduma, or the coin for the Avod Yom Kippur, they didn't just want to make him tahor. As we've been seeing, there's a whole big ritual associated. Look, if they just wanted to make him tahor, they would just do it on day three and day seven, right? But they wind up doing it every single day. So clearly there is more here than the, just the act of making tahor. So one of the things that they would do is they'd use the ash, they take some ashes from all of the different parot adumot that they had ever burned that they still had the ashes of. That's Nikol Chataot HaAmur HaAchag. You don't know which 37 day would be? We'll see about that later, but that might be an aspect, but it's more, not fundamentally, at least not here the focus. Okay? So I understand why they would do every single day. Why would they do every single day? Because there was also sprinkling every day in Milun. That was a different sprinkling. It was with the blood of the Korbanot. But the whole seven days, there was some act of sprinkling being done. And this is being done analogous to that. But according to you, the Alphys Misinai, your basis is Sinai, Hazab Sinai Mihave, where was this ever existed in Har Sinai, this preparatory sprinkling, and the whole, you know, every single day. So clearly, this indicates the Milui model and not the Sinai model. So Amar Lehi, he said back to him, with Hanech Minicha. One minute. According to you, why is it good? B'miluim dam hachamayim. It wasn't the same sprinkling. In the miluim, they did blood with the korbanot. Here, you did water. You know, paraduma. So, so the Gemara says, no, hello, Kasha. That wouldn't bother me. The tiny Rebichia, because Rebichia teaches in a brayta. Nechnesumayim tachasdam. Fine, so, you know, you use water instead of blood. <laughs> Which means we admit that there's not identical, but at least it's built on that model. And it would be, obviously, you're not going to do blood because, number one, there are no fixed korbanot to be bringing in the days leading up to Yom Kippur. And, number two, there's no basis to use, you can't use the blood of a korban, right, to do sprinkling unless the Torah mandates it. Else it's obviously a misuse of the korban. So, therefore, the only type of sprinkling that we have available to us that's a meaningful sprinkling is that of the paraduma. So, yes, we, we use that model. We translate it in a way that works. But still, it's fundamentally based on that model. So, uh, that, to me, still works. El but according to you, you don't have the model at all for Hazanahanatina. Now, of course, Tosos points out that you did have the sprinkling that was done with the Dam Habrit, you know, at the foot of Har Sinai. But first of all, that was only right after they got the Torah, the end of Mishpatim. Moshe takes Chatsi Hadam by Yasem Baganot, and he sprinkles on the people. He nei Dam Habrit, etc. But Tosos points out that is cannot serve as the model. Number one, that was fi- fundamentally on the people. We are talking about Moshe's preparation to go into Machanashina to go up to Harzina. That was not part of a process of blood. Number one. Number two, that was only one day, it was not seven days. So clearly that cannot be the model. So according to you, what is all this sprinkling about? Amalei, so he said back to him, my Alma. All right, like we said before about why seven rather than six. 
you know, or why para, or what Rabbi Yochanan said, why para duma, if it's really all about the Kohen Gadol? And the answer is, yeah, you're right, that's not the basic idea. The basic idea is, would not require sprinkling, but once we're, the same way, the basic idea only requires six days, but this is Rabbi Yochanan speaking, who learned that from Harsinai, but once we're doing it, we do other things to make it important. So, why do we go from six to seven? To cover Tuma purposes, because if he's away from his house seven days, it'll be, he'll be safer in Mintar. Why do we go, why do we add sprinkling to part of the process? It's a show, as Rashi says, you could say for Tara purposes, but again, the Gemara, is not exactly the same word as Tara, so Rashi here says we do it as a way of sort of also preparing for this event of going into Machina So the more ritual you create in the process, it's not just you're not living at home and you're living here in the Beit HaMikdash, but if you create a ritual every day that more creates that whole idea of building up, of preparing, of, you know, of getting ready for that standing, bef- that, that entering into the Kodesh Kedashim, that encounter with, you know, of Machanesh Kinah. So, Reb Yochanan, Reish Lakish admits that there are parts of this that don't fit into his model. There are parts of this that have to do with Tumen There are parts of this that are added on later. But at the core, he says, conceptually, this is about standing before God and preparing yourself to enter into Machina It is not some type of a base hamikdash ritual, right, that is about preparing for the avoda, or preparing for paraduma, like Reb Yochanan would have it. Yes, so my friend. If you're saying it's a real encounter, which is why I then say I'm an artisan, I don't have to separate myself for like seven days yeah, that's not the same. It's not just the physical space. It's the meaning of that entering into that space. Okay, the, to what degree is that defined as, an, as a, you know, in, you know, encountering of, uh, of the Shekhinah? So it's not, obviously, it's not just the physical space. Okay, so anyway, Tosos does ask the question that Michael sort of asked before about the Gemara later tries to explain the seven-day sprinkling relating to, obviously, to Mantara purposes. Why did you need it every day and not just three and seven? Well, we don't know which day is three and seven, and even though the evidence would work regardless, da 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 and the Gemara goes through a whole cheshpet. But nevertheless, Tosu says, that's the, you know, that here the Gemara, that, that, that seems like secondary reasons, and here the Gemara understands that the prime, it's based on a, the primary model it would be based on would not be, would not be that issue of just covering your bases and making sure he's tahor, and that there seems here to be a much more primary model, at least according to Rabbi Yochanan, of the Milui. Okay, so let's take a look. The Gemara now continues. Tiny Kavasid Reb Yochanan, Tiny Kavasid Reb Shlakish. We have a brayser that supports each approach. Tiny Kavasid Reb Yochanan. We have a brayser that supports Reb Yochanan. Bezos Shavu Arono Kodesh. With this, Aaron shall come into the sanctuary. Dimash Amor Biinyan. What it said in another context. Now, what's the other context? Maihi Biinyan. Maihi Biinyan Miluim. What it says by the um, So the way Rashi explains slightly what the question is is. The par ben bakar lechatas va'ayel le'olah is not feminine. Par and an ayel is masculine. And, or to be be'elu or whatever, be'zeh. What's bezos in the feminine? So zos in the feminine has to relate to the prisha of the miluim. Prisha is a feminine word, I guess. Anyway, whatever somehow the drush is that with this includes some other process that is necessary for the avoda on Yom Kippur. And what is that other process? Binyin de miluim. What we find by the miluim. Uma'omer binyin de miluim. What do we find by the miluim? Aaron piyeshiva v'shimishomechot. Aaron separated seven and served one day. Umosha, now it's interesting, we add to this more of the whole ritual of separation once we're using this as a model. Umosha masalo shiva. Moshe was given over to Aaron, right? Because Moshe was effectively the Kohen for the seven days of the miluim. 
to prepare him to do the avoda. So not just to do the avoda then, but part of it was getting Aaron prepared. The Afludoros and similarly Lidoros, Koingado Parishiva Umishami Shomecha, he separates seven days and he serves the one day of Yom Kippur. The Shnei Tamidikachamim Tamid of Shomosha, two Tamidikachamim who now represent Moshe. Okay, now what does it mean specifically they represent Moshe? So here we get another dig at the Sudukim, La Afuke Sudukim, right, to exclude the Sudukim, meaning they're Dafgam representatives of Moshe, of the true tradition, not of the perverted tradition or the false tradition. They're the true Mesorah. And they serve as representatives of Moshe and Torah. Mostly local Yeshiva, they're giving him all seven days. Today, to prepare him for the Avodah, because we're going to learn that they, each day they would walk the animals before the Kohen Gadol, they would prepare him, they would teach him. And that was done by two sages, two people from the rabbinic class who represented Moshe. So it's exactly sort of parallel to what you have by the Miluim. Mikan Amu. And this is the basis of the Mishnah that seven days before, it's interesting when a Midrash Halacha refers to a Mishnah, right? There's always a question about which came first, Midrash Halacha or Mishnah. You know, they were edited over time. Anyway, from this Midrash Halacha refers to the line in our Mishnah. This is the basis of what we teach that the Kohen Gadol, they would separate out from his house seven days to this special chamber. And then the Tosefta ends. The same way you would do it for the Kohen Gadol, you would do it for the Kohen Hasar for Sapara. He'd be in this special chamber, Tzafon Mizracha, northeast, northeast. Now, Rashi says, obviously that doesn't fit the pattern, because it was such a beautiful model that fit exactly Niluin analogous to Yom Kippur and doesn't fit the Sarif Sapara, right? Which is why we had one tradition that Rabbi Yochanan did not include that. So according to the Saraj, he says, yes, according to this price, uh, that's like an add-on, and that clearly is not, is not understood as the, as the Iker, you know, sort of teaching here. That would be like rabbinic, that would not be the real, you know, that's just, a, a, that's just uh, you know, a rabbinic type of an, uh, of an issue. It is not what fundamentally we learn from the Pasuk. Fundamentally, what we learn from the Pasuk is the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, which is directly analogous to the Nilui. So what's the problem yeah, because the whole first of all, we start from pasuk by you don't start from the pasuk of Kasher Saba Yom Hazed. That should be mentioned. You start from the pasuk by Achreimos Bezos Shavuot Kodesh. So number one is the whole pasuk is just by the Avod on Yom Kippur, not by the power. Number two is they made went out of their way to point out all of the exact comparisons to, um, you know, the Niluim. It's the Kohen Gadol, it's six days, there's a preparation with the Tamir Chachamim and so on. Doesn't all of that, you know, the, the, the comparison is much weaker by the Paraduma. So they just throw in Paraduma together. Oh yeah, we do the same by Paraduma. But that's not really the, you know, the real sort of biblical source is seen to be focusing on Yom Kippur. So okay. Yeah, but anyway, but we don't have that whole process. The Echadzeh, the Echadzeh, whether it is the Para or the Kohen Gadol, Mazmalov Koshiva Mikolchatos Shayusham. They would do from the Paraduma, that they would, they would sprinkle them from the Paraduma. This is what we quote at the top of the Daf. And if you say, what about the problem about the difference between blood and water? Blood was in the Milum. Here we're using the water of the Paraduma. Alright, so you use a substitute. Okay. The Omer, so that's the whole basis, learned out from Bezos Shavu, not Kasher Asa. So fundamentally, it's about the Avod on Yom Kippur, and all of these ways of comparison, of, of you know, linked uh, uh, analogous acts of preparation. Now, the Nem, the Omer, and finally, Apostle says, Kasher Asa, Yom Zet, Siva, Shem, Lasa, Sacha, Per, Lechem. 
Like we saw before, that rather than learning it on the Pasuk by Yom Kippur, which focuses us just on the Avod of Yom Kippur, learning it from the Pasuk of Miluim that also allows us to drag in Para Aduma. So Gemara says, Hi, Bezos, Mivayle Lugufe. So what Gemara says, One minute. How can you use Bezos to tell you the, there's another act of preparation, the whole seven days? Bezos is telling you what the Pasuk says. So, yeah, you need it to teach, you know, for its basic shot of the Pasuk. How do you use it to say, oh, there's some other act of preparation? Ami, no, you could say. If it was just about the Korban, my Bezot, what's Bezot? Now, Rashi again points out because Bezot is feminine and, and, and Par Ben Bakar and Ayel is masculine. The difference of languages tell you there's another part of the process that you need to be ready for Yom Kippur. My Omer, and why then if you did such a... Alright, we say what we want to say. What's the reason at the end we have to quote another Pasuk? This is the Pasuk we've been knowing until now. No, because there's a way that you could have limited it. You could have said, that in the first time, like, because you do realize, and the Vilna Gon points this out, that the entire parasha of Achrei Mos, of the Avoda, is all about Aaron. The Gra even says that the entire parasha doesn't even mention Yom Kippur until the very end. It's like when Aaron would ever want to go in, right, to the Kodesh Kadashim, if he would ever want to enter, right, so then this is what he would have to do. I mean, also remember that you had the death of the Shnei B'nei Aaron, right, because they drew near in a way that was inappropriate. So God is saying, oh, if you want to have this encounter, you have to go through this entire process in order to enter into the Kodesh Kadashim. At the very end of the whole thing, it says, oh, you should do this every year on Yom Kippur and you should do this with Dorotechem. But it starts fundamentally about a focus on Aaron, which, by the way, although here we're within Rabbi Yochanan, who learned that from the Miluim, is a very important point to underscore for Eish that sees that the whole idea is about the God encounter. Right? The whole idea of the preparation is not so much the avoda, right? It's like learn from Moshe. It's about the God encounter. And in a way, that's how the whole avoda is introduced. Here's how you have that God encounter. Here's how you enter in doing this whole process. And that's what Rachel Lucky's focused on. But anyway, for now, it's saying that if I just had this bizos javo, maybe I would have thought the first time, if you want to do it, and we can learn that, that would be analogous to the Miluim. It would not be a regular Yom Kippur thing, but the same way Miluim was a way of being mechanech, the Kohanim and the first use of the Mizbeach, like we said yesterday, maybe this too would be the first time to, in, to, to establish this practice and to establish our, you know, the Kohen Gadol in this role and to establish and to allow you to enter the Kodesh Kadashim, the first use of the Kodesh Kadashim. There would be a so, God encounter between God and Aaron, not God. Well, okay, but now, I, you know, I digressed a little about that because that the God encounter is Reish Lokash, you were Reb Yochanan, right. but here, anyway, it's more echoing or the Gemara before was echoing this, whatever, <laughs> anyway, the idea that it was if you the, if you really compare it to the miluim, the miluim is initiating in the avoda, initiating the koranim, initiating the beis hamikdash. It's the first use of the mizbeach, so uh, of the mizbeach by kohanim. So here too, maybe it will only be required once in history. You don't do a miluim multiple times, so maybe you only do this once in history to initiate this role of the kohen gadol, this use of the kodesh kadashim. So that's the focus on miluim. Maybe it would only be once. So. Uh, Ha, 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 ha.
<laughs> Thank you. Okay, so uh, something that has a compliment. So it says, uh, it says um, so it's not part of Yom Kippur it's part of an initiation process so then I wouldn't so maybe I would have limited the verse maybe the first coin which tells me in future generations I want to again point out that the two things the Gemara said here are exactly parallel to what we learned at the bottom of yesterday's das. The bottom of yesterday's das said, right, when it was talking about, oh, why not apply it to, you know, why not apply it to, um, uh, to Rosh Hashanah Korban? How do you know it's the Yom Kippur Korban? And it wanted to underscore what was similar about the Yom Kippur to the Miluim. And it gave two answers. One answer was that they both require a coin Gado, right? The Miluim was, you know, focused on Aaron and Yom Kippur. And the other was, it was the first use of the space. The first use of the Mizbeach, or at least the, you know, the first Yom Kippur was the first use of the Kodesh Kadashan. So those two ideas are exactly echoed here, right? Maybe I would have limited it to the first Kohen Gadol, emphasizing him as a person and preparing and initiating him as a person and the Kohen Gadol in that role. Or maybe I would have limited it to the, you know, first time that Aaron entered into the Kodesh Kadashim and the initiation of that space. So there's an exact echoing here and an acknowledgement that the idea of the Miluim, you know, drawing from that relates to this idea of initiated, of initiation. Preparing our, preparing, you know, sort of establishing the Kohen Gadol in this role, establishing the space as the space to be used for this Avoda, and therefore, I might have said just once. So we say, no, you do it every year, but presumably it still has echoes of that or source in that concept of initiation. Um, and that, I think, is an important idea behind the Yochanan. Yes? So maybe, maybe more we'll talk about this. And according to Rish Lutcher, though, it's a matter of, of encountering the, the divine. And, you know, Moshe didn't have to go through this every time. Did he go, always go into Kodesh Kadashim when the... He didn't go into Kodesh Kadashim. We're going to discuss that later. Okay. Because okay. so, the call came from Bishan and Kuvim. Right. So but he didn't enter in. No. It never says to Moshe, Well, Yechol Moshe Lavol Yeah, but no. We never find that Moshe went into the Kodesh Kadashim. Now, I want to say one thing before we move on. All of this has been sounding very much like it's taking this very seriously and that this is a deal raisa, right? And certainly according to now, the Rasha Bizos, Kashir Asa, and so on. Take a look at the Tosos, Nichnis Sumayim Tachas Dam. Tosos says, how could we do this? How can we substitute water for blood? So, the law of the Dame Drasha Gemurahi, we can substitute it because it's not really a deal raisa to do this, okay? Hadagami Mimiluin. Elas Machta Ba'alma. That that pasuk of kasher saw was not about day eight of the miluim. It was about day one of the miluim. And he said to them, kasher on day one. Continue this for the next seven days. It doesn't mean like we did today on day eight, or like we prepared seven days for day eight. You should do this in the future. Interesting, quoting Rashi and the Chomish. So, at the end of the day, it's just a model. It's not really a deal raisa. If it's a model, we can say we're basically following the model, but we're tweaking it. Okay, now, of course, you could say it's a deal raisa, but nevertheless, 
you know, since we're not, you know, that we have to, like, apply it as is appropriate. You know, the derisis use the model but apply as appropriate. But at the end of the day, whether you call it a derisis or not, the more interesting conceptual question is what is the reason for this and what is the conceptual model? And for Rabbi Yochanan, the conceptual model is that of miluim, of preparing the Kohen Gadol or initiating, you know, allowing, preparing him to serve, um, <coughs> initiating him into that service on a yearly basis or, you know, particularly because it's going to be a special use of a particular space. The other idea of focusing on space. But it's that sense of initiation that is the focus and that is very different than Red Slokish where the focus is the God encounter <coughs> as opposed to the initiation in the Avoda and it's much more type of a of a, of a base hamikdash process and ritual to allow, you know, to allow the Avoda to take place. Yes, Charlie. Um, how can they use a, a, a verse from Parsha Akrei Mot when Akrei Mot was given specifically said Akrei Mot Akrei Mot Shnei Bnei Aharon yeah I mean the, the order is is wrong what's the order wrong what do you mean so, so there this is about the, the luling but they would have already taken place before these commands in no the only question is how uh, no the use of the Pasuk Akremos is better because it comes after the Miluim so you could say Bezos with what we did in the Miluim which came earlier the problem is more when you learn from the Miluim that says and the other things about Para and, and, and the Yom Kippur haven't been mentioned they're not yet. mentioned well, okay, new. No. Uh, that's okay. You, you know, it all is pre-existing. Yeah, Stockholm yeah, writes about. Yeah. <laughs> how, how did you explain why the omen? Why did you need another pasuk of kasher sa? Why wasn't bezos sufficient? Because if it had just been bezos. Ah, uh, but uh, my omen means why do you need the other pasuk? Yeah, because the end of the by said the omer. And by the way, it also says a second pasuk. Why do you need the second pasuk? Okay. So the verse says like this. Um... Okay, so I missed someone. So it's missed like this. Okay, hold on. Yeah. So, um, by the way, I think I a little bit misquoted Tosos before because the, the, how does this come out relate to the idea that the Hazo was for Tara purposes? So I said, yeah, that's like a secondary reason. Tosos actually at the bottom of the next Tosos says, once you accept that all of this is an Asmachta, you could say the opposite, that the seven days is, is for Tara purposes is the real reason, and this is sort of you know, layered on top of it. But that's not the way the Gemara is presenting it. The Gemara here is presenting it as that this is the real model. And even the Hazah is not fundamentally, certainly for doing it for all seven days, is not fundamentally about Tara. The Hazah is about this ritual which is based on the Miluim. So that's what Rabbi Yochanan says. Now let's take a look at Reish Lakish. Okay. Um... Uh, okay. We learned like Reish Moshe Moshe um, went up in the cloud and got, was covered with the clouds, and therefore sanctified in the cloud. In order that he should be in a holy state when he was then going to receive the Torah from God. The, the cloud of God rested on Sinai. This occurred after the Ten Commandments, which began the forty days. Now that, of course, is totally shot in the Pesukim. Okay, um, people. What don't, people do not appreciate is the Eila Hamish Patim is a continuation of the Aser Sadibros. Right? God first says, "Here are the Ten Commandments," and then He says, "Okay, now let's talk about some more detailed laws and some civil laws." And through all of Parshat Mishpatim, Moshe is still up there on Har Sinai, and it's still the same event of the affairs Hadibros. And then you get to the very end of of Mishpatim, and what do you find out? At the very end of Mishpatim, it says, 
Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Israel. So Moshe has not gone down yet, or whatever. Maybe he's midpoint in the mountain, and God says, "Come up to me." Okay. So then, but before Moshe goes up, God says, "Okay, you're going. You and the Zikanim are going to come up." But what does Moshe do now that the Aseris Adibros and all of Mishpatim has been given? Moshe. Now, is So is the is all So Moshe's up there, he gets the Divrei Hashem, he gets the Mishpatim, he comes down, he reports it to the people. And then they said, He gets up in the morning, he, then he does the whole state, he does the korbanot, so against the classic rabbinic that Nasevinishma preceded Harsina, the shot of the Psukim is, they heard it all, they got it all, it was all written down, and they said Nasevinishma to all of it. And then, this is the Dam Habris, okay? And that's what happens at the end of the events of Har Sinai, Moshe comes down, tells them all of that, tells them all Mishpatim, they agree, they enter into a bris, and then, remember how the first Tosuk I read to you was, come back up with the Zikanian, so then he does it. And that's a very, you know, anthropomorphic Tosuk. Okay, so that is all right after Har Sinai. Then, what is the next Tosuk here at the very end of Mishpatim? Vayomar Shema Moshe. So, then he says, come up and we'll spend 40 days together and I'll tell you even more. Okay, presumably that's after Hasinah. Came down, told it to them, they did the Sefer Abris, they had this vision of God, Moshe and the Zikanim, that says, now you come up and we'll spend 40 days together. Vayaka Moshe, what? No, yeah, yeah, okay, we're going to say for days. Doesn't say it here. Then he says to Zikanim, "You guys stay down. You got one. You got one opportunity to, to have that vision. But you guys now stay down." So it's very clear the shot of the Sukkim is he tells them all Mishpatim they have the Sefer Brit there was this one vision with the Zikanim Moshe goes up six days under the uh, six days in the cloud seventh day God calls him and then that's the 40 days that Moshe spends on the mountain and that's exactly what Reish Lakish and what Rabbi Yossi Haglili say here is that this was all preparing Moshe for going up and for being with God for those 40 days now what you're going to see it's a great obviously it's a shot of the Pesukim but there's going to be a different opinion because there's one Pesuk that's a little bit echoed because here you have right before the Aseris Hadibros right what does God say um, God says to Moshe right before the Aseris Adibros he says um, right and then he says but you have and here on the day on the, on, on the, on the seventh day it says so we're going to see an opinion that takes this entire last paragraph are six days of the cloud and calling to Moshe on the seventh day and says that didn't happen here. 
that actually happened way back before the Aserah Sadibras were given, and that's when Moshe was being called, and not afterwards. And now let's see why that, why that matters, and why that's linked to Reish Lakish's position. Okay, so let's take a look. Let's do this again. Okay, tiny about the Reish Lakish. Moshe Allah be'anan v'nizkaseh be'anan, v'nizkaseh be'anan. Today, the Kabbalah told Israel, Bikdusha. And that began, even the six-day preparation, as we'll see, was included in the 40 days, and that began the 40 days that Moshe was at the top of Arsini after, after the Aseris Hadibros. That's what Rabbi Yosef Glili says. And Moshe was therefore covered in the Anan, and that was his preparing for that event. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Vayishkon Kvod Hashem, Meirosh Chodesh. No. The last parsha, paragraph of Mishpatim, God's cloud was rested for six days. That wasn't after the Asher Sajibros. That was six days earlier. That was on Rosh Chodesh. And the six days were the six days leading up to the Asher Sajibros. And when it says the, the cloud covered, it didn't cover Moshe, it covered the mountain. Now, why is he forced to say that? Because as Michael just signifies, Moshe was going back and forth the entire time. So you can't say Moshe was in the cloud and in the separate zone and preparing himself, right? Because Moshe was running up and down. So if this parsha took place before Matan Torah, then um, Moshe, there was none of this Reish Lakish's idea of a six-day preparation to stand before God. And the cloud did not cover Moshe, the cloud covered the mountain. Well, that's in the One minute. Like, uh, it says here, um, I, Yeah. That's the question. What's the Reish Lakish's No, no, I know, but like, if you look at it, you know. Okay. One thing you Alright, fine. Say Krao Moshe. Now we have to do why is God calling to Moshe? Because according to the other approach, God calls Moshe, so Moshe can stand up there and be with God for the forty days. But here, why is God calling Moshe? Because it's actually, you know, now I read you right before the Asheris Hadibros, it says God called Moshe. Moshe Moshe. But God calls Moshe right before the Asheris Hadibros. Why? Who's to say, Go back and tell them, guys, keep away. And Moshe says, hey, you don't have to tell them, you know, you know, B'nai so you tell them once they listen. And God, <laughs> and God says, no, trust me on this one, Moshe, go back and tell them. Okay, so anyway, so that Vayikra, right, is to call him up to have him go down so it seems like it's a little different than this Vayikra at the end of Mishpatim which is just he called Moshe for what purpose and it's not and um, so here the, he says now you could have said like Michael I mean it's an interesting question where was Moshe standing when the Aseris Hadibros were being given was he at the bottom of the mountain with the people was he at the top of the mountain with God right I think we tend to think he's at the top of the mountain but the Pesukim are not so clear if you look in Yisro right after God says go back again he says yes, uh, he says first of all it never says that Moshe and Aaron went back up like they were supposed to okay but somewhere Moshe is somewhere presumably midpoint in the mountain there because Moshe also says in Zvarim he says I was sort of between the two of you so anyway so but we don't have what you have at the end of Mishpatim which is God just calling to Moshe without then, you know, w- you know, you know, with, w- w- without a clear what the purpose was. R- what you have in Yisro is God calls Moshe and tells him to go back down, and presumably then Moshe and Aaron go up by themselves. 
And what you have in the end of Mishpatim, if we're to, believe, if we're to take the approach that that happened before Mantor, is God just calling to Moshe with no explanation about what that was about. So that's why right now we try to understand what that Vayikra was about. Okay, we could have linked it to the Vayikra and Yikra, but let's see what we do. Vayikra Moshe, Moshe Bekoisel Omdim, so Moshe and all of Yisrael were standing there. It was not for Moshe to go up into the cloud. Moshe was already where he should have been. Maybe he was halfway on the mountain, but he was there with Yisrael, and, and the Vayikra was not to go into the cloud. So what was the Vayikra? It just called Moshe to say, to tell everybody, Moshe and Bnei Yisrael, I'm about to tell you this. So called Moshe to single him out, to give him special recognition or special honor, but it was really, that was the whole purpose of the Vayikra. Okay, and we're going to make a little Agatha based on that a little bit later in a little bit of a discussion. So it's quite fascinating. Not only, right, does Rabbi Akiva take this part that the enemy struck him and say it's covering the mountain and it's all taking place before Har Sinai, but all the Pasuk that says, Vayikra Moshe right, it doesn't, then it says, that would just be guy called. Okay, he was about to give the Torah, and he calls Moshe, and then he gives the Torah. Moshe, Anochi Hashem Alokecha, or something like that. And then it says, Umarek Vod Hashem Ke'esho Chalet, and then the last Pasuk, Vayavo Moshe Betochanan Vayalohar, Vayisham Arbaim Yom Barbaim Layla, that was after the Asherah Zedibros. Okay, so this entire parsha took place is a summary, as you were. The end of Mishpatim, the way Rabbi Akiva is reading it, is a little summary of everything of the two parshiot that preceded. So there was a Tanam there, God called Moshe, parentheses, there was a Sarah Hadibros, and then afterwards, Moshe went up for 40 days. And that whole little paragraph at the end is not an event that took place after Harsinai, it's summarizing everything from Rosh Chodesh. And that's where the question is, what's the Vayikra about? Okay, because it just says Vayikra, it doesn't say for what purpose, and says, oh, it's just Lachlo covered the motion. Yeah. The reason Rebbe Kiv is doing this is supposed to be the shot. I don't know what's motivating it. I don't know. Okay, but that's how he's reading it. Um, Nosson Omer, now Rabbi Nosson says, So Rashi says this is specifically connected to the idea that he was in the cloud for six days. But why being in the cloud? Is it an idea of separation, sanctified? No, actually it was a process of making him more angelic, making him less, you know, the same way for 40 days. He didn't eat or drink. So, thank you. Right. So, so in the period, in the period preceding, in the period preceding to allow him to be there, he first had to, you know, cleanse himself from as much physicality as possible, and that was what being in the cloud was about. So Rashi reads this connected to the idea of being in the cloud, but it's not about the this sort of general sense of Kiddushah that can be applied to the Kohen Gadol and Yom Kippur because it was just for him because in Kohen Gadol we don't say stop eating for six days the reason again the way Rashi reads it is the reason he was in the cloud for six days was to strike fear in his heart the Torah should be given with fear and trembling and zia and sweat Serve God with fear and rejoice in trembling. My vigilu berada. What does it mean? Rejoice in trembling. Amarav adabar masna. Amarav the makom gila sham tehe raada. At the place of rejoicing, when you get the Torah, on the one end it's a tremendous high, but on the other hand, you know there has to be the awe of this God encounter, the God encounter combining with it this sense of um, you know transcendence and high and so on, with this profound sense of awe and trembling. You know, in a way, that's sort of the balance of what happened to Bnei Aaron. If you want to go back to the whole Yom Kippur story, right? There has to be a problem 
process. You don't just go encounter God. There has to be that awe as well, and it has to be the Gilu Bira'ada. Now, so as I said, Rashi says this is all explaining the pr- approach of Rabbi Yosef of six days. The Marsha says it's a little bizarre because it comes right after Rabbi Akiva. And the Marsha says this could even be sitting with Rabbi Akiva. According to Rabbi Akiva, you still have to deal with the question of what's Vayikra El Moshe. What's the point, Vayikra El Moshe? So one answer is to, you know, to give him kavod. Another answer is that that act of Vayikra El Moshe, basically somehow that one act of calling Moshe, you know, sort of cleansed him out completely. And the third idea is it struck fear in his heart. So these are three explanations the way the Marsha reads it of Vayikra El Moshe. We don't need an explanation of the six days according to Rabbi Yosef Aglili. That's clearly uh, preparing him and putting him in a state of Kiddushah. Now, of course, it is pretty funny that of all the people who needed fear struck in their heart, probably Moshe <laughs> was, was, was the least of them. Unless you say Adarab, it's sort of like the story of, uh, what was it, Choni Hamaga, like your B'nai Bayes. You know, maybe, you, you know, Dafka Moshe, because he felt so comfortable. But people, believe me, they had plenty of awe and fear. They refused to get, I like, say, they, they, they stepped away from the mountain. They didn't want to get close. You know, so anyway, but it is quite fascinating that it focuses on Moshe. Now, before we go on, now we're going to go to sort of unpack these, but you see these two models of Rav Yoshi, of Reish Lakish and Rav Yochan. So I wanted to mention that um, there is this book put out, it must be by 20 years now, by Rav Aaron Lichtenstein, which is um, a daf by daf, you know, commentary, uh, sort of, well, like a chidushim of, of the Rav, of Rav Salvechik on Meseches Yoma. Now, it's not like daf by daf, like every daf he has, you know, has a paragraph. He basically takes like a topic that occurs and develops a topic. So his first piece, which basically, you know, the second piece is on Daf Yudbet. But the first piece is on, da, is on our sugya, on about this debate of Rav Yochanan and Reish Lakish, where he really develops at length these two approaches. And just to say very briefly what he says, I mean, he just sharpens the ideas that we've been talking about, the themes that are there. You know, he says that if it's based on, you know, clearly he says Reish Lakish is in a way easy to understand. It's about, not about the Avodas Yom Kippurim, it's about that God encounter entering into the Kodesh Kadashim, and it's about having that, preparing, you know, creating that sense of Kiddushah to, uh, to prepare for the God encounter. But he has a lot to say about, about Rabbi Yochanan's approach about the Miluim. Um, and he has a very, you know, interesting idea about it. He says, you know, on the one end you say, yes, it's about the avoda and a special act that's needed to allow for the avoda to take place and prepare the plain goggle for the avoda. But then he says more. He says, maybe what it's doing is, if you really base it on the Nilulim, maybe it is in a way sort of, um, you know, giving him a special Kohen Gadol status uh, that allows him to do the Avoda on Yom Kippur, almost like reestablishing him, reaffirming him as the Kohen Gadol. Um, and, that that's, and that in that way, you know, it is, you know, really sort of similar to the process of Miluin that established the Kohenim as Kohenim. And then he tweaks it a little bit and says, and this is the whole idea of like the gra that it was a, a special hetzer for Aaron to go in and then it became generalized. He says, maybe Dr. here, you need the going Gadol to serve as a representative of Aaron. Very interesting idea. To enter into the Kodesh Kadashim, maybe you have to Dr. do it as a type of Bezos Yavo Aaron. 
and that's why you had to sort of do this whole process similar to the Miluim to give him the status and then he speaks to the Gemara that we just did about the Shnei Tamirich Chachamim similar to the sort of sense of Moshe that the whole idea of sort of recreating the process of the Miluim you know is you have a substitute of Moshe Rabbeinu which is like the Shnei Tamirich Chachamim and a substitute so this Kohen Gadol becomes the substitute of Aaron and that so it's very powerful also thinking about you know what it would require to enter into the Kodesh Kodesh he very much focuses on this process of defining the Kohen Gadol's status and this idea of being a Talmud of being a representative of Aram he also says though you'll appreciate this that the because um, I think you mentioned something like this yesterday that some of the things so first of all it says well why isn't it Ma'akeh you know what about the uh, standing guy okay so the evidence is not Ma'akeh but then he gives a good reason why we can't do it for the standing guy why not just do it for the standing guy what's the big problem okay so you have him wait seven days as well he says no says, if the idea is to raise his status as Kohen Gadol, you need for the, that the foundation of him to start as Kohen Gadol. Right? If you start as a Kohen Gadol, then we can do this process that makes you the special Kohen Gadol for Yom Kippur, or the Kohen Gadol who's the, re, who's the representative of Aaron. But if, you start, if you're the stand-in guy, and you're not, you don't even have the basic identity of Kohen Gadol, we can't add the various levels to you. So, okay, so the Yevet, you would have to actually use this guy that didn't have the whole preparation, but there's no way to do the preparation for him. It's an interesting idea. But then he sort of says this other point, which so I think you said, which is that part of the whole thing of the, of preparing the backups and so on is part of the ritual. It's not, and uh, let me just try to find sort of uh, the line that he says that. One minute. He says... Yeah, he says like this. Um, All right, I have to find it. Um, he has a nice idea of how to explain that a lot of these rituals here were not just secondary things, but they were part of this whole process of preparing him and making him Roy La Voda. Um, let me just give me one more second here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, here is. Um, okay, he says like this. So, um, yeah, I mean, he just says, 
All right. He doesn't add too much more than that. But what he does say is, he says that if the whole idea is, is of this, of the basis of the Miluin, is to allow him to sort of serve as Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, all the attendant things we do, the, the you know, making sure he doesn't become Tameh, sprinkling the ashes of the Paraduma, having a Kohen as a backup, all of those are, if you get down to it, what's all that about? To ensure that he will be able to do the avoda. So once you base it on the Miluim, is his point, then that's all about preparing him for the Avoda, then you could look at everything we do around that as ultimately being derived from it. And the Shnei Tamidi Chachamin who are standing in for Moshe, they're teaching him the Avoda, right? So that is all part of this concept of the Miluim, of preparing and enabling the Avoda to take place. So anyway, the bottom line is that he has a very nice thing if you want to see more of it, but I think that the sort of the nicest, the sharpest point was that it based basically raises his level to a Kohen Gadol Roy for the Avoda, and even this idea of sort of like of a substitute of Aharon and explaining why we could not do it for the other Kohen. Okay. Yeah, he's not the other Kohen. No, I'm saying, what do we do that? So that's why Rashi says, that's not our basis, that explanation. Okay, so let's get a little bit further. Gmar says like this. So, B'mai Kamiflagi, what is the debate based on? Rabbi Yosef leads Rabbi Akiva, but look to the honey tonight. The debate of the Tanaim, the time is on the Brisa, but Shisha B'chodesh Nitnatol Yisrael. The Torah was given on the 6th of Sivan. Rabbi Yosef, Omer B'shiva Bo on the 7th. Mandam or B'shisha, B'shisha Nitna B'shiva Ola. So, it was given on the 6th. So, the, we got the Asa Ezadibus on the 6th. Moshe went up on the 7th and spent 40 days um, on Har Sinai. And that ends in Shiva Sarbatam is when he broke the Luchos. Mandamar Bishiva, if it was given on the seventh, so Bishiva Nitna, so the Yatya says that was on the seventh, but Bishiva Allah, you also have to say that Moshe went and began the forty days on the seventh, because nobody can deny that the forty days have to begin on the seventh, because that will only that will get us Shiva Sarbatamas as the day he came down. Okay, So we went up on the seventh day to begin the forty days. So we have this debate sixth or seventh. Now how to fit in the Psukim might be affected by the 6th or 7th because we know they came to our Sinai on Rosh Chodesh. So if Yosef Lili Savalach Tanakama, if Yosef Lili holds like the Tanakama, that, they, that the Torah is given on the 6th, Damar B'Shisha B'Chodesh Nitna Torah. Hiokak Zayamaisa Achar says that Dibbas, when God calls Moshe on day 7, which we say at the end of Mishpatim, that can't be a fr- that can't be a story of the beginning of of the giving of the Torah, right? You understand? Since the Torah is given on the sixth, and the, the parsha at the end of Mishpatim says God called Moshe on the seventh day, right? So that can't be referring to the seventh day from them coming to Har Sinai, because the Torah was given on the sixth, not on the seventh. Okay, so therefore he has to push, say that that whole story is occurring after Harsin. <coughs> Why doesn't just say because that's Pshat of the Psukim? I don't know. But anyway, if day seven is when God called Moshe and was then gave the Aseris Hadibros, then that you need to say that the Aseris Hadibros were given on the seventh of Stephen, not the sixth. Um, so that whole process was after. After the Aserah Dibros, the cloud covered Moshe, by crowd Moshe Bayom Hashvi, Likibule Shar Torah. And then Moshe goes up on the seventh day after the Aserah Dibros to get the rest of the Torah. The Rosh If we're going to read that last part of Mishpatim to be recapping everything, starting at Rosh Chodesh, by Lahar, and it's covering the mountain, not Moshe, by crowd Moshe Bayom Hashvi, and Moshe is called on day seven, Likibule Aserah Dibros, that can't be. Hakibu, Mishi. According to you got the Sarah Sadibras on the sixth. 
Okay, so very simply, if you believe the Aseret HaDibbos was given on the 6th, of course you could say, where do you get that from? Yeah. But all right, if you accept that the Aseret HaDibbos were given on the 6th, that whole parsha at the end of Mishpatim can't be a recap, because that parsha emphasizes day 7. And according to this, the emphasis needs to be day six. Does this whole so look at a six or seven have to do with Pesach and counting? The yeah, but I'm, I'm not getting into it. Let's just deal with what we have here. Okay. So Rabbi Akiva Savarla and Rabbi Akiva says, um, the Anana would have anyway removed, been, you know, lifted up on the sixth day after the Torah was given. It wouldn't have been there on day seven. Rabbi Akiva Savarla Kribyosi, Tamar Bashiva Bachodish Nitna Torah Rabbi Akiva would hold it was on the seventh which allows us to read the last part of Mishpatim as a recap of the entire story. And, and therefore, and Vaitral Moshe is on day seven to give the Aseris Adibros. Um, now, we get that it happened on Shiva Sarbatamus, the breaking of the Luchos. As in Barba de Sivan, okay, so you start counting the 40 days from day 7, which is, right, which is when Moshe went up for the, for the 40 days. Um, the Torah was given um, um, on day, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the, yeah, he says the Torah was given on day, on day 7, and the 40 days began on day 7, and Moshe began his 40 days that day. So counting 40 days from day 7 of Sivan, you have 24 days remaining of Sivan. The Shitzah de Tammuz, 16 of Tammuz, is 40. Maluar Bainyomi, that's your 40 days. Davu Bahar, Bishivasa Batamuz Nachis, he came down on the 17th of Tammuz. So after the Tavrin Luchos, he broke the book Luchos. Hello, the Yosi Aglili, Damashisha de Prisha, Zarbain Dahar, Queen Rabbi Yosi Aglili, you've got a problem. There's much more than 40 days after the Asarasadibus were given. Six days of separation, called on the seventh day, and then 40 days. You're not going to get Shivas Debatamus that way. Okay? Well, that's what they're going to say. Okay? So, Shisha de Prisha, Zarbain Dahar, I'd ask him to cross the Tamus with It wouldn't have happened until the 23rd of Tamus. So I'm looking at Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi can say back to you. Rabbi Yossi Glili, are buying the heart behind Shisha Deprisha. No, the forty days included the six days of preparation. So that's a fascinating. We never think about that, right? We think he's up there with God for the forty straight days getting the Torah, right? And he says, no, actually, six of those forty days was the preparatory process. He only was with God from day seven on. Okay, I'm sure there's some nice muster in that about how, you know, it's about the journey and not also the destination part of that. Being with God was the process of preparing to be with God. All right, so let's look a little bit more. Amar Mar, Vaikral Moshe. So Moshe Vakosho owned it. So Moshe was there and, every, and everybody heard and it was just to give Kavo to Moshe, according to Rabbi Akiva. So the Gemara says, Nisayeh Alei Rabbi Eliezer. This supports Rabbi Eliezer. Dama Rabbi Eliezer, Vayikra Moshe, Moshe v'kosho omdim, v'lo ba'kosev v'lochadik lo'kavod l'moshe. Okay, basically saying exactly what Rabbi Akiva said. That it was not to call him up to the mountain. This was, according to Rabbi Akiva, at the moment of Ma'an Torah, and it was to give him honor. Mesve, I'll ask you on this, because that means the only way it gives honor to Moshe is everybody else heard God's voice calling Moshe. Says, is that really true, that everybody else would have heard that voice? Here's a, here's a famous drasha we have. Kol lo, kol elav. It says, um, you know, that it says, by, by the Kruvim, it says, Uvivo Moshe omei b'daber elav, v'yishma'at kol midaber elav mibein shnei ha-Kruvim. He heard the voice of God speaking to him from between the two Kruvim. The problem is, why does it say midaber elav? It should have been midaber lo. Right? What's midaber elav? It should have said kol lo. It should have said not kol elav. So to tell you the following, Moshe Shama because lo shamu. The voice was only meaning if I'm in the bear low, it means who has my words directed towards. 
Okay, but if it's Mizabir Elav, it means that only he was the right. one who heard it. Not only they were directed to him, only he heard it. So, look, when God calls Moshe and speaks to Moshe, only Moshe hears. So how could you say that calling Moshe was Lachlok Lok Havod, if only Moshe was the one who heard? So the Moshe says, Lok Hasha, Habasinai, Habomoed. Okay, it was a one-time event at Harsinai that everybody heard when God called Moshe. From there on in, God spoke to Moshe and nobody heard. The Ebi say, if you want, you could say, Lokasha, Habakriya, Habazibor. When God just says, Moshe, everybody hears. When then you get to the content of the speech, what God needs to say, that's only Moshe's hearing. be fascinating to think that that occurred even after Harsinai. Okay. Rebzeik Arami cried. Hamed Rebelezer. He showed a contradiction of Sukkim to Rebelezer. Some say he's Rebzeik saying the name of Rebelezer. I'm sorry, Rebelezer Rami, that Rebelezer was the one who showed the contradiction. Right, the very end of, of, of Shemos is they erect the entire Mishkan, the Kvod Hashem rests on it, the Lo Yachol Moshe Moed, and he couldn't even go into the Moed because of the Anan. Now what's often not realized is, is that that, and that's how Shemos ends, what's often not realized is, is that that connects to the first Pasuk in Vayikra. Vayikrael Moshe may Moed lay more. So Moshe couldn't go in, but here we talk about God calling to Moshe, but God calls Moshe from the Moed. Now does God, he go in after he's called, or does he stay out and he hears God's voice? But those two psukim have to be juxtaposed. What's anyway, he can't penetrate the other. Yeah, I mean, not maybe physically, but certainly and in terms of the holiness of it. Okay, so here Moshe could not enter in. Okay, Vixiv, another Pasuk says, by Hanan, that by Harsina he went into the Anan for the 40 days. So what was it? Is he able to go into the Anan of God's presence or not? So you could say he needs to be called. He was called at the end of Mishpatim by Yikrael Moshe, and he was called at the beginning of Yikra. But let's see what his answer is. So, Moshe himself couldn't go into the Anan, or he wouldn't go into the Anan, where God was. But God forced him into the Anan at the time of Harsinai. Beautiful imagery. There it says he couldn't go, here it says by Harsina he went betoch anan. Okay? So what does betoch mean? It says betoch somewhere else. By the same way there there was a, a path. Afkan here, uh, I'm sorry. So Moshe can't go into the anan on, on Why was he able to go up to the anan where God was? God made a path for him. He allowed him to go into the Anan. But obviously what the Gemara is dealing with is, again, the impossibility of the divine human encounter. Right? God goes up, he's in Mach, Moshe goes up, he's in Machaneshchina. Is it really possible to be there with God? You know, so the first answer is, yeah, God can make it happen. The other answer is, not fully. He was a path, the cloud was around him, he wasn't really in the cloud. By the way, how did anybody go into the old Moe to do the Avoda if, if Moshe couldn't go in? So that another Megrish says, the Anan would lift up and then you could go in to do the Avoda. But when the Anan was there, you couldn't go in. So that's the, the, the end question dealing with. Is it really possible to go into Machanesh Shrina? Okay. So 